Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Oh, why, hello there, all of you curiously minded peeps. I'm Kendall Long. Welcome to Little Curiosities. Now, some of you may remember me from a show called The Bachelor, where I was known as the weird taxidermy girl. And on that show, I was on a quest for love. But on this podcast, I'm on a completely different quest the quest for knowledge. Each week is inspired by a spark of curiosity, just like the one you heard in the beginning of this episode. And I'm so excited for this episode because it is all about space bears, moss pigs, tardigrades. There are so many words for them. They are such an interesting micro species because they live in the world of the tiny. And today I'm going to be interviewing James Weiss, who has probably filmed more moss pigs than any human in the entire world. He has even recorded a space bear threesome. We're going to be talking all about that later in the episode. I'm interviewing him. I get to pick his brain and know all the things about these really awesome space bear creatures. Are they aliens? You know, I'm wondering about that. I need to ask him about that. So let's get into this episode. But before we do... I have a little favor to ask you. If you could like and subscribe to Little Curiosities, leave a comment. I love hearing from all of you. That would be so awesome. This is a new podcast, so anything you can say, anything you can do to support us would mean so much. Thank you all for listening. I really love making all these episodes. Now, without further ado, let's learn about space bears. Today is such a special episode because I have been following James Weiss for such a long time on Instagram, looking at all his wonderful tardigrade footage and all his beautiful like micro worlds that he puts on his Instagram. And I finally have him in the studio with me to talk all about tardigrades. Hey, James, how are you? Hello. I'm very excited about this. And, you know, like we were texting about this for a while and I'm so glad that we can finally do this. Yeah. Yes, me too. We have been messaging mm-hmm. a lot about it. And ever since you yeah. sent me the first videos of tardigrades, I have been mm-hmm. obsessed with them. Um, you've got some beautiful, beautiful stuff. But first I want to mm-hmm. ask, how did you get into filming microorganisms? Ah, well, that's a very good question that basically changed my life. So uh, I was studying environmental engineering and then we had one lab course that we needed to check wastewater under the microscope. It's like, it's the most disgusting thing you can ever imagine. Basically, it's just like whatever you flush on your toilet, it just... Oh, it's potty water. Yeah, it's wastewater, city wastewater. It's disgusting you know no but there's one biological process it's uh, basically scientists they use microbes to eliminate some of the compounds in the water because microbes use these things and then they build biomass they reproduce they i don't know they build some structure so they use these like heavy metals or whatever is in the water and it just kind of 
not kind of, it's very effective. It cleans the water. Oh, so it purifies the water. So yeah, yeah, microorganisms, yeah. they can clean water and that's what you were testing? Yeah, yeah. So I was testing not the clean water, but the dirtiest water. And then, so I just took like one drop of it with a pipette and just put it on a slide and put it under the microscope. And that was the first time I saw microbes under the microscope. It blew my mind. It was like love at first sight. It changed my life. I couldn't think anything else after that classroom. There's a whole so world just, going on that we can't see with the naked like, eye. Yeah, there were things crawling, rolling, swimming. And I always thought microbes would be something, you know, like little blobs, just like staying at some place and just causing diseases and stuff. But apparently 99.9% .9 of everything is just, they're non-pathogenic. They don't do anything with you. And yeah, there's a whole different world under the microscope. It almost feels kind of like what I would think aliens would look like. Definitely, definitely. It's just like you're just gazing into another planet. That's what you're doing the first time, you know, you're looking through a microscope. It's an amazing feeling. So after that classroom, we had a lecture, I think, like two hours uh, each week. And that wasn't enough for me. And I was a poor student, so I got the cheapest microscope mm -hmm. on the market. And I learned how to use it. And it just changed my whole life. And all of a sudden I found myself like doing research on super rare microorganisms and watching tardigrades have threesomes. Oh my God. I think we're going to talk about it, but it's we're like, We're definitely yeah. going to talk about tardigrade threesomes. I'm so excited yeah. to hit Amazing on that. Amazing stuff. But first we are talking about aliens and I have mm -hmm. heard that tardigrades are potentially aliens. Is there any mm -hmm. fact to this at all? I think that's like one of these clickbaity articles, mm -hmm. I would say, because... Uh, Darn it, don't ruin it for me. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. So the theory, I think it's panspermia. It's called panspermia. It's basically the life on Earth uh, arrive from outside of the planet. So it arrived, you know, like tardigrades or some other, you know, microbes. They were dormant in rocks or in some structures and... The theory says if things are dormant in rocks and stuff, and if like a big meteor hits the planet and thing. So if a big meteor hit the planet and we are all extinct. Yeah, it's, it's a very hard thing to explain, actually, because you need a planet, right? And then something has to hit this planet and throw these rocks into the space. And then these rocks, they have to travel in the open space, you know, and they need to land earth and start the life but when we look at tardigrades we can see their evolution like when we do sequencing of their genomes we can see that they evolved on earth we can prove that basically because you do phylogenetic trees you see the relationship between you know tardigrades and other organisms and then you start making uh, evolutionary tree and then you can see where things began basically so tardigrades, they're from Earth, but they can they're survive space. They can survive outer space, yes. Okay. But it's not like 100% success rate. So some tardigrades die, some tardigrades survive, but they also need to be in a dormant state. So if you send an active tardigrade into space, it's just going to die instantly because they're really delicate. Oh, interesting. But if they put themselves in these stages where they can wait dormant and they can endure these environmental stresses, then if you throw them into space, some of them are going to survive for some time. I always mm -hmm. thought tardigrades were kind of like cockroaches. 
you know, they were difficult to kill because they, as soon as they don't have water, right, they shrivel up and they mm -hmm. hibernate, some sort of hibernation. And mm -hmm. I always thought that meant you can do anything to them and they're such little durable mm -hmm. little dudes, but they're not, they're fragile. Yeah, I have to be so careful when I'm recording tardigrades not to kill them. So for a microscopy, you have this one big slide, right? Glass slide. And mm -hmm. then you put this tiny drop of water with your tardigrade on this big slide. And then you add the cover slip. This is like a tiny, very thin piece of glass. Mm -hmm. And if you put that on a tardigrade, it dies instantly because it crushes it. It squishes so I need... it. No. Yeah. So I need to put some support under the cover glass so it wouldn't, you know, squish my precious tardigrades. So there's a lot of trial and error I feel like you've had with recording tardigrades. Yeah, so I have over 5,000 hours of micro footage, which tells a lot. I don't think there's anyone on this planet has more footage than me. Oh, wow. So you've been spying in on the lives of tardigrades for quite some time. How do you record something so small? That seems so insane to me. Well, you use a microscope. So I have a microscope mm -hmm. and there's a camera attached to the microscope. So I put the slide under the microscope and get the magnification and record it with the camera. See, I guess that makes sense. But for me, I was just like, it's so tiny. How is it possible to get so much detail? Because your videos do have so much detail. It feels like you're right there, you know, that they're mm -hmm. larger than they really are. What is the magnification of your videos? Like how small are, are you mm -hmm, seeing? Mm -hmm. uh, so the general magnification you can get with any microscope in the world, it's around 1000 times. Because okay. if you go over 1000 X magnification, then you go smaller than the light waves you're trying to see. The light cannot resolve any more details anymore. So then you need scanning electron microscope, which is completely different. So it doesn't use any visible light to operate, right? But for electron microscopy, you need to kill your specimen. So with electron microscope, you cannot get a video. You can just get a still. You can just get an image. Is it because it crushes them or is it because there's certain like waves that kill the specimens? No, 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 no. You have to coat them with certain metals. I think it's gold. I think non-reactive metals it has to be. So you cover your specimen. I am not an expert on electron microscopy, but you basically need to fix your specimen and then you need to coat them according to your wow. method. You're making their body very stiff mm -hmm. so they don't move. You don't get artifacts in the image. So you are just trying to keep them as still as possible. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think I've maybe seen images of that where it is very shiny kind of metallic. That's so interesting. It would look like black and white. You cannot get color okay. data with electron microscopy because, you know, there's no light. Mm -hmm. So it would be black and white and tardigrades, they look really different under the electron microscopy because you need to kill them. Mm -hmm. And when you kill them, their body changes. So their face goes inwards and all these like animations of stuff about oh tardigrades, gosh. they're all incorrect. I'm seeing them like people are spending hours and hours animating them. But they are just making it very wrong because they are referencing the scanning electron microscopy footage, like photos of it. And it's not realistic. That blows my mind. So a lot of the animation we see that people have on their T-shirts or, you know, all that memorabilia mm -hmm. of tardigrades is actually a dead tardigrade as opposed to an alive one. Definitely. So alive tardigrades, their faces aren't sunken in. Is there any other features no. we can tell for looking at an alive tardigrade? <laughs> Well, if I look at a tardigrade, I see a lot of things. Yeah. It's, 
with the scanning electron microscopy, you just get the outline of it. Like you don't okay. see what's inside of it. Mm-hmm. For that, you need transmitted electron microscope mm-hmm. to see the insides of it. Like it would look like an MRI scan, basically. I do notice with your videos, they do seem mm-hmm. translucent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the good thing about the light. So if you, even us, you know, if I put very strong flashlight behind my hand, you know, I would still see like a red light, you know, on the other side of my hand. So that's mm-hmm. basically what you're doing with the tardigrades. With such a strong light from the microscope, just coming from below and going through the tardigrade or whatever microorganism you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And then it just going to the objective and creating the image. So if the light is strong enough or the organism is not opaque, you see what's inside them. You see their stomach, you see their ovaries and whatever, you know. Perfect for studying them because you want to see everything inside of them. Definitely. And does the light hurt them at all? When I see your videos, it seems like they're completely fine going about their daily life. They don't even mm-hmm. notice that it's so bright. For tardigrades, light is not adverse. Okay. Tardigrades don't mind light. There are some tardigrades that have naturally occurring pigments. Mm -hmm. So they appear red. And so some tardigrades, they have pigments to block the UV light that's coming from the sun Mm -hmm. to just like UV light from reaching to the inner structures and causing mutations or damage, you know, so they are basically covering their skin with red pigments so they can block the UV Kind of like getting a tan and how it protects us from the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. that's so interesting. But they're just rats. They're always tanned. Okay, they're always tanned. <laughs> yeah. So when you go out and look for specimens, I've heard mm-hmm. you can find tardigrades anywhere. Is that true? Mm-hmm. That's very true. So I can find a tardigrade, I think, in 30 seconds now. Where yeah. would you look? Where, if you had 30 seconds to find a tardigrade? There is just a moss pad just outside of my door. And there are always tardigrades there. Really? So you can just go anywhere in nature, take a little sample, and there's probably tardigrades in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes there are like thousands of them, you know, like you grab like a moss patch, I don't know, like a golf ball size, you know, and there are like hundreds, thousands of them. Wow. Microscopy is really, really amazing. I think we should get you a microscope. I'm telling you right now, I did actually buy a little tiny magnifier Mm -hmm. and it magnified, I think, 200 times And I would just get Mm -hmm, lost. mm -hmm. I would buy a whole bunch of strawberries and just stare at them and see all the little Mm -hmm. tiny bugs that crawl on the strawberries. Mm -hmm, I'd follow mm -hmm, bugs mm -hmm. on the ground. Mm -hmm. It opened up such a huge world that you would never even realize existed, even just at 200 times. So I could only imagine, like, going a thousand times, you were saying, how much that would open my mind up to an entire new world. I 100% went a microscope. That is on my list. Okay, we're going to get it done then. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, please help me. Please help me access this world. So how long is the lifespan of these water bears? You know, it depends how you define the life of a water bear. Mm. Because the thing is, their lifespan is, I think, less than two months. But we don't know because we need to keep them in captivity, you know, individuals to be able to count how many days they survived. And I think the longest captivity was like 54 days or something, but I got really close to that. I kept uh, water bears alive 50 days, like on in my apartment. So it's just like they live over a month. Okay. But if they go through these dormant stages and stuff, they can wait probably indefinitely, you know, uh, because oh, wow. there are some examples of these adaptations 
amongst microorganisms and one of them is called rotifers and if you remember last year some scientists brought back one rotifer from Siberia I think 24,000 years later so they told like 24,000 years old eyes it's almost like a suspended animation when they are hibernating <laughs> so they are lowering their metabolism almost to zero and when they are dormant they are very, very strong creatures. So Absolutely. it's like the tardigrades can survive anything comes from there because when they're dormant, they are just like, um, I don't know, ice crystal. They don't look like tardigrades. They just look like, well, I define them as shriveled raisins. Little tardigrade raisins. <laughs> no legs, no eyes, no mouth. It's just like something that is shriveled and just waiting. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's very durable in that stage. Oh, and then that's when they are probably able to explore through space. So that's probably the best state to get them in. So how many hours of footage did you say you recorded of tardigrades? I don't know how many hours of tardigrades, but I have 5,000 hours of micro footage, over 5,000 hours. So it's like definitely a lot. A huge percentage of that is probably tardigrades. Yeah, it's like 500 hours, I would say. So what would you say your favorite video footage you've captured of tardigrades is? Wow, that's a very hard question. I think, I think it would be their threesome. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah. I do want to talk about this tardigrade threesome. So, and I was also reading an article about it. Is it the first time that this has ever been recorded? There are some pictures of it from uh, 1960s, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But there's also one recent study from 2016 that was reporting the tardigrade sex. But we also published this video, tardigrade sex video around that time. So it's pretty much one of the first. So do tardigrades have sex with multiple partners? Is it kind of like they all go in there? Yeah, that's a, that's so strange because we also don't know much about it. Like the published papers, they are still speculating on some stuff, right? So we don't know how sperm enters the body. We don't know how do they find each other? So there are many, many things we don't know yet. So I can tell if a tardigrade is a male or female. So first of all, there are tardigrades with two sexes. Okay, they're like hermaphroditic, yeah. So the species that I recorded having threesomes and hatching and all those like exciting footage, <laughs> those tardigrades, they have these two sexes. So I can differ between the males and the females just with a glance. How can you tell the difference between male and female? I can see the see the balls of the males, basically. <laughs> Do they have tiny little microscopic balls? They are so big. So they are just covering one third of the body, basically. They have humongous testicles, yes. I mean, they're small in terms of tardigrades are small, but in relative to their size, one third of their body size is their balls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do they inflate during mating season? Because I know with birds, they'll usually inflate when it's time to mate. They definitely have like some, maybe not like mating season in a way like once a season every year or something. But I think they are mating regularly. And when it's the mating time, like every two weeks or five weeks or one year, I don't know. But whenever it's the mating time, I think, yeah, they are producing sperm and uh, they're getting very recognizable. In a bean bag with them? 
to go check out some ladies. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's such a big structure in their body, and it's just behind their neck to the like the last legs. So it's just like on the back of the tardigrade. Just imagine it like a air bag, okay? Just like covering the whole back of the organism. Oh, interesting! Like a little backpack. And candle, it's full of sperm, and they're wiggling. You can see it. You can see the sperm. Wait, so they're big. Yeah, the、uh, because the thing is, I think the sperm doesn't get smaller if the organism gets smaller. So it just like that just blew my mind, still, right? I don't know why I pictured sperm probably being the same size as a tardigrade. It just seems so wild to me. Do they just hand off their little sperm cell? They're like, here you go. Here's like a bouquet of me. They are packed. They have like thousands of sperm, so they ejaculate everything on the females. After mutual stimulation, that's the word that describes this thing in the research paper, which I find hilarious. Mutual stimulation. So they're both enjoying it. it I mean, I guess enjoying in terms of you know, at risk of anthropomorphizing yeah, yeah, them yeah. and saying they're having fun while they're doing it. But okay. Yeah, they have to stimulate each other to fertilize the eggs, basically. So that's what they are doing. We need to back up a little bit because yeah, how do、yeah. tardigrades reproduce? So you said eggs. So do they have eggs、mm-hmm. internally, externally? How does it go down?、Mm-hmm. So I can differ between the males and the females, right?、Mm-hmm. So I see males with these backpacks, sperm-full backpacks, yeah, and then and there are females, and the females produce something called oocytes. These are like unfertilized eggs, and you can also see them in females. You can they basically look like poached eggs. They're like. Look like softish than an egg. Okay, and you can like, tell the difference the between fertilized and unfertilized eggs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's before the fertilization.、Mm-hmm. So the females either like the eggs, the all sites either get fertilized or unfertilized. And if, if they are not fertilized, sorry, if they are not fertilized, then the females just dissolve them. So they basically recycle the sites、um, for other. Needs in the body, basically. Okay, so taking the nutrients、it. again. They're not wasting it. Yeah. So if the eggs gets fertilized, they are just laid by the females.、Mm-hmm. So it depends on the species again. But the species that I was I was finding, like having sex, this this species, they have a very characteristic. So that when the eggs gets fertilized, they are just basically laid, and they're like some tardigrades. They lay the eggs inside their own cuticle, so they shed the skin. Just like some other animals, you know, as they grow in size, they shed the skin, which is called the cuticle. Oh,、so、they molt. They molt.、Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,、exactly. that's so interesting.、Exactly. Okay. So they molt regularly, and when they are molting, they deposit.、Uh, they lay the eggs inside the molts. So you find often like an outline of a tardigrade, which is the cuticle that left behind, and eggs、right. inside. Bunch of eggs. That、inside. kind of sounds and- like a movie. It kind of sounds、mm, like an yeah, alien yeah, horror yeah. movie where like, they'll take their skin and they'll put their babies, and then the babies will be inside of the old skin. Oh my good! I'm thinking of like Silence of the Lambs. This, that's so,、yeah. but it's so cool. So they kind of use their old skin as like a Santa's pack, but like the presents are eggs. Yeah, but my species, the species that I was observing for a very long time, this species does very interesting thing. 
instead of fully shedding the cuticle, it half sheds it. So it looks like saggy pens. Oh. So basically, the tardigrade leaves this cuticle behind. It just trails behind, you know, when it walks. And inside of this cuticle, there are around 30 eggs of tardigrades. So the mother carries the eggs around for four or five days. Oh, my goodness. So it's like yeah, she's the carrying eggs. like a, her own you know, skin, like her own kind of body, full of eggs mm -hmm. with her everywhere she goes. <laughs> that's so yeah, mind-blowing. Sorry, I wanted to show you a tardigrade. I'm going to make sure for everybody that's listening to this, I'm going to be posting some of James's videos on my page. You can check out his Instagram as well. You can definitely plug your Instagram in here so people can see all the amazing footage you have because, of course, listening to it blows your mind, but seeing it, like seeing everything that's taking place in like these micro worlds. It is so, so neat. So definitely make sure. Uh, what is your Instagram again? Uh, it's gem and germs. Okay. Gems, germs. Oh, yeah, it's a very silly name. We'll leave it in the show notes just so people can uh, access that mm -hmm. and see everything that you've done. Okay, so she carries these eggs around. So how long is, she said four to five days she's carrying these eggs. And so she's <laughs> with her eggs the entire time, protecting them. Yeah, Mother care, you know, in very primitive way, I think. And then these eggs, they start hatching just like popcorns. They pop. Little tiny green like popcorns. Thing. The first time when I found mothers carrying eggs like this, I was so excited about it. So I prepare some microscope slides and I put like one mother to each one of these slides and I put the slides in a humidity chamber so they wouldn't get dry up and the tardigrades would be living there for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. So I would be able to observe them over the days. And then I saw that the eggs are about to hatch because before the eggs hatch, the baby tardigrades, they start moving inside. They're they, dancing. And they have this stylet in their mouth, which is basically like a needle. It just, it goes in and out of their mouth. So I can see that they're like pushing this needle out to just pierce the shell. So they're trying to, to just, pop their balloon, know. their little egg yeah, balloon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So when I was recording this, I think I didn't sleep for like two days. It was something like that. I am not sure. It was many years ago. Oh my goodness. But it's just like, it took so much effort and I had to record it constantly. And like every 10 minutes I was checking it every 20 minutes, you know, I was clicking record because I cannot record continuously as well. Exactly. The camera heats up and stuff. So it was so challenging. But in the end, I watched all these like 28X hatch and I recorded them as well. And it was such an amazing feeling. And I felt so connected to these tardigrades and I was so afraid to check the slides under the microscope next day because I was so afraid of seeing them dead. But basically, I had 28 tardigrade babies that day. And then these 28 tardigrades grow up on the same slide. So I kept them like weeks and weeks, right? And they grow up, they reproduce with their siblings, and then they had babies and it gets so crowded. I had this on this tiny slide. I had 100 tardigrades at some point. It was like getting wow. overcrowded. It's kind of like little hamsters. I remember when I had hamsters when I was a kid and then they started having babies and then they would have babies and it just keeps on going and going. 
That is so Mm -mm. cool. You're almost kind of like, I picture you as if you're a father instead of a hospital waiting for someone to give birth. And you're like, any moment now it's going to happen. That's so much dedication. And it must have been so exciting to see them hatch and to see them live out their lives. Yeah. If I ever have a kid, I think I will remember the moment of me waiting for tardigrade eggs to hatch, you know, like in the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when it comes to tardigrades, is there any courtship involved when it comes to uh, before they reproduce? Is there any, like, I picture like little dances or something or any displays? So how does that happen? So I think it's uh, tactile. Is that a word? Like tactile? Is, yeah. It has to be very mm-hmm. touchy, you know? So they're pushy almost like these. So so I find the females, right? I was telling that thing. So I find the females and then I use tiny pipettes to suck one tardigrade at a time mm-hmm. from this thing. And I then I prepare slides with one female and a couple of males. Okay. Okay. And then I put the males, you know, farther away from the female. Okay. Then... It's almost like they can smell it, you know, they're like little puppies walking on the slide, the males, and they can smell the female. Mm. So they always walk towards the female and they find the female and then they latch themselves on the female. Interesting. Because they have these bear claws, right? That's why they're called water bears. They have those little bear claws that are kind of like scratching about. Yeah. So it's just the male grabs the female with those claws and just stays on top of her for two hours. Two, two hours. hours. Tardigrade sex is two hours. Yeah. Two hours. Wow. They're really taking their time. So first yeah, thing, yeah. it must be some kind of chemical signaling. Yeah. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. it's a chemical signaling. Are tardigrades usually in water? Is it they're like a, mm-hmm. a wet environment? So I think that makes sense, like chemical signaling. But then mm-hmm. latching onto the female, that's so... In- and so two hours. So does the female seem to be enjoying this? So the female just keep on going. If it's eating, it's just keep on eating, just walking around with males on its back, just like... I don't think she minds, but it really looks traumatic. Honestly, it's just a couple of males just latching on you, you know, and that you're trying to eat, good. just crawling on the glass slide <laughs> to find some algae. And That'd be too much to handle. Okay, so I want to get back to the threesome video that you recorded because I did watch it and I found it incredibly fascinating. They were poking at her stomach was something that was said a lot like poking at the female tardigrade's stomach. Is that because that's where her sexual reproductive organs are? Or they just like nuzzling there? It's like a sense sort of thing? I think they are poking everything. Okay. Because it's like, it's a very moving environment. So the female moves, the male moves and everything. It just like gets upside down all of a sudden. So it just, but the most important thing is like the males are very close to females because when they release the sperm cells, they have to go inside the female somehow. And that isn't known. There's so much that still has to be learned about them. And even with all of the hours of footage that you've spent watching them, there's still so much to know. But there are not many people on Earth doing this thing, you know. It's uh, tardigrade studies. I think they're getting very popular over the last decade. Mm -hmm. But before that, you know, it was a very niche topic. It's still a niche topic, but it was even 
worse than this. Mm -hmm. So nobody knew about tardigrades, but now because of media, I think it's getting Because of people like you who are sharing videos and fascinating people, kids seeing that, thinking, I want to study tardigrades. I want to see these little Mm -hmm. tiny microscopic worlds. I also want to mention in the video, I have to bring this up because it was so bizarre to me, the pooping habits of tardigrades. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to mention Yeah, we need to talk about tardigrade poop because the first video I saw was a tardigrade pooping of yours. And it was like the size of its body. You have to yeah, talk more yeah. about that. That blew my Still mind. Still <laughs> smaller than the testicle, you know? Yeah. Okay, first of all, let's talk about tardigrade poop. <laughs> first thing so first. So you said like they need to be getting some chemical signals, right? Yes. And live on Earth, if it's microscopic, it's basically depends on water. So if things can survive being outside of water, but everything needs water essentially. So if there's a dry surface, you cannot find tardigrades there. You can find tardigrade tons, cysts, or their dormant stages there. There's a possibility of it, but they're not going to be crawling on dry surfaces. Okay. And so in water, you know, everything is about chemical signals, chemical cues. So I'm sure like tardigrades can detect uh, some of these signals. Yeah. So this is just an assumption, but the female constantly poops during sex. So which is such a strange thing. Oh my goodness. Because also males are attracted to females. So I'm thinking maybe it's because of the poop, because when you poop, you excrete a lot she's of She's eating healthy, things. you know, that's yeah. what I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's well fed. Yeah. She has a good diet of moss or whatever else. <laughs> what do tardigrades eat? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they eat moss, they eat algae, they eat other tardigrades. And they, they're cannibalistic. Yeah, they, yeah, they're cannibal species and they are like... Uh, there are species that basically specialize on feeding on other animals and they feed on tardigrades, so, other tardigrade wow, species. Wow, all is fair in yeah. the tardigrade world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know if a tardigrade's healthy by by their poop, you're saying? Uh, I'm not saying that, but yeah, we can, <laughs> we can say well, that. Well, that's how maybe the male tardigrades can tell that a female's healthy is by her poop chemicals. Maybe not healthy, but that's how... F- males can find the females in the water because like when there's poop they know where to go right oh, I it's see. Just so like following a, the trail yeah, yeah following the trail of love it's like that chemical cue so because it's microbes there are like although tardigrades have brains and stuff but they are basically biological machines right mm. so if they get a stimulation of something desired they follow that trail so if they sense the availability of food or mating partners. So they basically try to go that direction. Like little sniff out dogs. They're trying to find love. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how they communicate with excretions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, going back to the females after laying their eggs when their babies hatch, do tardigrades stay together as families or are they more so solo? No, everybody is alone. So it just if you're hatched, you're just by yourself. Off into the micro world. Yeah, you gotta do everything by yourself. They do that very good though. I watch many tardigrades just hatch and just find some food and right away start eating and just doing things around. Oh wow. They just jump right into it. They don't need any lessons from mm-hmm. mama or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm curious, at this current moment right now, how many tardigrade <laughs> families do you have going? How many tardigrade slide worlds do you have? 
I think I have like ten. What are you looking for next? Anything that you're hoping to see? No, actually, I'm just naming them, and I'm just naming them, and just watching them. And what are some tardigrade names? I name them after my favorite TV shows and stuff. So I name them Michael Scott, or I name them, you know, like Lord of the Ring characters and stuff.、It's、Is just... each slide a theme? Not really, but that's a great idea. I think, yeah, I should put like some water slides and stuff, like tiny microscopic. I can just water picture you like having like, like redoing all the seasons of The Office with a tardigrade slide, <laughs> and you can like this is Michael, and he's up to his antics, and Dwight is has his algae farm. Like I can just picture that. That's so great. <laughs> My dream is to get Dwight say like something about tardigrades because he's crazy about bears, right? Yeah.、So、just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beats water bears. Battlestar Galactica. That's yeah, the next yeah, step. Perfect, yeah. Oh, that's so cool! And I do want to talk with you further, potentially in more episodes of Little Curiosities, because you have so much knowledge、mm-hmm. and you have so much footage of all these micro worlds. What other organisms are you really fascinated by right now? So basically, if something is microscopic, I am definitely interested in it.、Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna learn as much as I can. But my my main focus is on a group of organism called the ciliates.、Uh, ciliates. These are single celled organisms, but they are eukaryotes like us or like water bears. Okay. They're not like prokaryotes like bacteria or archaea. They are quite evolved and、uh, they can show like some simple behavior and stuff. So my scientific research is focused on. This extremely rare ciliate. So I find、uh, species that are lost in time, you know, forgotten in old manuscripts somewhere in a library. So I、oh, wow. find these documents, and I have probably like all the major names and stuff in the history. Like I already have them. So I go through everything, and I find these things that. People found hundred years ago, and nobody saw it since then. Wait, so they had access、them. to seeing these microorganisms way back then? I don't know how I didn't <laughs> know that.、Definitely. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So we invented humans invented the microscope three hundred years ago, and、mm-hmm. yeah. For some reason, like seeing all these mini worlds, it seems so futuristic. <laughs> you know, but so crazy to think that they existed back then, and then you're refinding them. It's like you're bringing the past yeah, yeah. back to life. Yeah. Wow. I just love it. It it feels like a you know treasure hunt every day. I just sit in front of my microscope and just go through samples. I am so excited. I mean, we're definitely going to have to have you come on another episode and talk about that because that can be a whole another podcast episode <laughs> in itself. For anyone that wants to get into these micro worlds, who wants to see tardigrades in person or explore like <laughs> little things in their backyard, what do you recommend someone does to get into this field? I think they just need to get a microscope. So get the cheapest compound microscope, which is like this microscope that with multiple objectives and stuff. So you can have like fifty x magnification and one thousand x magnification, and they are not that expensive. Also,、uh, we produced microscopes, and yeah, it's like budget microscopes. They exist. So I think people should just.、Um, Treat themselves for Christmas or something with a microscope, and、yeah. then start just looking around or just sampling nearby ponds, you know, or moss that grows on the trees in front of your house. There are definitely tardigrades there. They're everywhere. There's a whole different universe under the microscope. It feels like going on a safari, you know, because all my childhood, 
I just wanted to live in Africa. I wanted to write books about animals. And that was my childhood dream. And then I found myself doing microscopy in my living room and just going on safaris. And you wrote a book. You wrote yeah, The wrote Hidden Beauty of, of the Microscopic World. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you yeah. wrote a book that's like the uh, microbe safari. Yeah, yeah. So I achieved my dream, yeah. So for people who want to see your videos, know more about you, uh, where can people find you? They can check YouTube. I work with Hank Green on a show called Journey to the Microcosmos. And it's a wonderful show we are doing for, I think, for four years now. So we release over 100 episodes and each episode has a topic. And we talk about tardigrade sex on one episode. Then we talk about some other microorganisms in another episode. So it just, I think it's great for beginners to just go and just watch some videos. Yeah, I've been, I have binge watched them. I've seen a lot of the footage on those and those are absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. So please everyone go check those out. Check out James' Instagram page. What was it? Jam's Germs. Definitely Jam's do that. Germs. Thank you so <laughs> much for telling us all about the love life of tardigrades and all the things we didn't know about tardigrades. I found this video so extremely fascinating. We'll definitely have you on again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Okay, that about wraps up this episode of Little Curiosities. My mind is blown. I had no idea that tardigrades had threesomes, that they had like a skin sack that carried all of their eggs. I learned so much from James. He is, he is just a tardigrade expert. He knows all things tardigrades. Definitely want to have him on the podcast again. If you haven't already, remember to like and subscribe to Little Curiosities. Also, leave a comment if you are so inclined. Your support means so much to everyone here on Little Curiosities. Also, if you found this episode interesting, please share it. My absolute number one goal is to inspire curiosity with others, and your help with that mission makes me oh so happy. I just love our growing group of like-minded curiosity cadets, so it has just been so fun making this podcast, and I can't wait for next week's episode, where who knows what will spark my curiosity next. Until then, ciao! Little Curiosities with Kendall Long is a Q-Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Alexa Gabrielle Ramirez. Edited by Will Tendy. Music by Kendall Long and Will Tendy. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking betrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts.